following is a presentation of the Retro Network. Strap in, movie fans. We're about to take you 30 years into the past to explore the biggest blockbuster hits of the 1990s. I'm Pete. And I'm Michael. And And this this is is Box Box Office Office 30. 30. to Box Office 30 for July 1992. I'm Pete, and as usual, I'm joined by my good buddy and co-host, Michael. How are you, sir? I'm doing well. I just very... I'm going to mention it. I'm going to mention it. (laughs) Mike and I just recorded a hour-plus show and then realized we didn't record it. So here we are again, starting over. (laughs) That's how we're doing. (laughs) So, uh, again, like, this has been a long time coming because, you know, Mike had a slip up earlier on, no big whoop. Literally uh, probably one year ago to this point. Yeah, but (laughs) now here's mine. And he just looks down, like, while we were, like, basically almost done with our our, uh, list. And uh, he's like, hey, we didn't ever start recording. And it's like, great. So... (laughs) Now it's on me. So here we are, folks. <laughs> Welcome to our July episode of Box Office 30. We're kicking it off in awful style. <laughs> so we're going to try and redo this, and uh, hopefully you'll get half as good as episode as we just did. <laughs> oh, it was fantastic, guys. What you missed was glorious. <laughs> we'll see you. if we can uh, we can get it back in here, though. All right, so fun point of news right out the gate here. This is our 50th episode of Box Office 30. Did you catch that today? Which is pretty crazy. That's wild. 50 episodes. I can't believe we've done it this long. We don't stick with anything this long ever. I know, yes. (laughs) (laughs) So I thought kind of like as a a kind of a fun point to, to kick things off with before we got into everything else, I'd kind of throw some some numbers out there kind of based off of our 50 episodes. So... Um, first of all, our all-time downloads is at 2,131 downloads. So thank you very much to all you good folks who've been listening and supporting to us through that 2,000-plus downloads. That's amazing. Um, we have still our all-time record holder for best month ever, November 2021, 170 downloads. But we came really close recently, May 2022, 167 downloads. So and all I, those downloads, I may have downloaded it twice, guys. <laughs> nice. <laughs> At some point, I'll get you uh, to listen to this thing more. I, I, what I got to start doing is like hiding secret messages yes. in here where you need to listen <laughs> for it just to make sure I'm not slandering you every month or something. <laughs> um, so I, I just thought that was kind of uh, If that happens. Kind of exactly, yeah. <laughs> Um, so again, thank you to the Retro Network for giving us our home. Thank you guys for listening. We're looking forward to another 50 with you guys. So uh, that aside, how about we take a look at our new and new to you? So uh, I've got two, mostly because we've been home with the kids for so much, and they're they're both kids' movies. Uh, The first one I have is a a direct-to-Hulu movie called Fireheart, which is about the loosely based on like the first female firefighters it's very cute my daughter grace wanted to watch it because her grandfather's a firefighter and i really really liked it and then the other one that i saw finally i got to see the first 
Sonic the Hedgehog movie, which is nice. Wild. So, <laughs> yeah, I, obviously, I've mentioned uh, that movie on here probably too many times, but you know, I just appreciate what they did with it, and uh, uh, especially from a perspective of a kid who grew up with the game, and then from a filmmaker perspective that they kind of took some feedback and went back and made a a better version of it. And I don't know, I just I, I really got a kick out of those movies so it's, far. It's got to be one of the first movies that ever really, you know, the fans outcry made them re <laughs> really fix it properly it's kind of yeah i'm absolutely sure um over on my side uh got uh light which i was super excited to see for a while now ever since that first trailer dropped for that um overall super enjoyable movie um not to the level of of the toy story movies as far as like the you know like that pure like feeling you come out of them with but um, I thought they did a really neat job. I like how they kind of preface it. They kind of got like a little thing in the beginning of the movie, maybe a little tiny spoiler here that sort of says like in you know 1994, a boy named Andy saw a movie starring his favorite character. This is that movie. And I was like, I thought that was just like a great way to kind of kick the whole thing off. Um, and uh, overall, I think the movie had like a very similar feel for me as Up. Um, and again, I don't want to get into spoilers why, but you, you might see why if you get a chance to see it, but, um, I don't know. I just thought they did a genuinely good job with it. Are they going to cut our heart out like they do in the beginning of up? <laughs> no, not well, up. <laughs> to a lesser extent. Um, but it's not necessarily right in the beginning. Um, but again, like, I don't know if I could have like guessed what the plot of this was from the trailers. Um, I'll also say I was really bummed that trailer has Starman by Elton John. And I was like really hoping it would show up in the film at some point. And it didn't. <laughs> so it's like another in like a, a line of, um, Sad times with the Toy Story franchise for me because uh, the original Toy Story, when that came out, I think it was the trailer or the TV spots, they had Boys Are Back in Town was playing on that. And I loved that song and I was so into it. And then comes out the movie, comes out the album. Neither one had it on. There's a bunch of Randy Newman. So <laughs> I was I was kind of bummed that that wasn't included. So they, they got me again with Lightyear. But um, I don't know, overall, super enjoyable. I think they're going to sell a million socks to cat toys. Uh, oh, for from sure. It. Um, the other one I saw uh, is Jurassic World Dominion. So another franchise jumping back to the 94 era, did, did 93 you, did era. You like it, though? Did you like it? I did. Yeah, no, I actually really enjoyed it. Um, it's a popcorn flick, you know, as they've been going, you know, like the Jurassic franchise. All right. Mm-hmm. Jurassic Park is the best. Nothing has ever held a candle to it since. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's kind of a fun, you know, taking a look back. You know, it's the, the, oh, the characters are all finally meeting from those two separate things. Mm-hmm. Um, and they work together a manageable enough plot. Again, with some of the more recent ones, um, you know, very loose kind of plots. You know, they kind of brought, you know, it's a lot of member berries. They bring back like, you know, various <laughs> dinosaurs and characters and things like that. Member? Yeah. No, I mean, for real, you'll see, you'll see if you see it, but. Oh, I'm going to go see it probably this week. I think. I, yeah. I um, you know, definitely not the best in the franchise, but it's fine. Passable summer movie flick. Um, Part of the thing with me lately is I've been getting back to see some more movies as I um, resub to my um, AMC Premiere account, which is probably no surprise to you. Um, so f- for those unfamiliar, I use it a few times. <laughs> yes, yeah, he often will put the points on mine. Which thank you for that. I get free concessions and stuff. Um, if you have access to AMC theaters, and I know I'm such a shill for this, we're not sponsored. Although I wish we would be. AMC sponsor us. We need your monies. Um, we love movies. Is this is just such a great movie program because you know, like as far as rewards programs out there go, it's like, oh, you spend like two hundred dollars, you get a dollar back. This is great. It's like you know, the initial buy-in is something like twelve dollars for like the year. You instantly start getting all these concession savings. You save on online booking. Um, it gets rid of all the, the fees online and everything. So like you see a movie, you've already made back your 12 bucks. And then uh, with the premiere, you can see up to three movies every week. Um, so if you see like two movies in a month, you've already like paid back the amount of money for it. So, you know, I, I love taking Zoe to the movies. I take her all the time. Angie and I have been trying to get out and do some date nights and there's a whole slew of new stuff coming up. So I've been very busy with my, my getting my AMC back in order. And, you know, it, I think it feels good to be back in the theaters here again. You know, a little 
bit of normalcy post 2019. Yeah, agreed. <laughs> and I have a little bit of a exciting news to announce. So a few of you might know last year I worked on a movie called UFO Club with uh, Stephen from the Wizard Podcast. Well, it is making its world premiere this month on July 13th at the Long Island International Film Expo. And it's gotten into a few other festivals around the country. We're waiting to hear back from some more. So as it starts popping up to check out uh, in your various areas, I'll let you guys know on the podcast and go see it. It's a really fun family movie with a lot of 90s nostalgia in it. And uh, it's a real cute, funny comedy that uh, you can bring your kids to. There's like literally almost no curses in the whole movie. It's really a great movie. And I'm looking forward to see the premiere in like 10 days. (laughs) Yeah, I'm really excited for you guys. I'm like really hopeful it does really well, crushes the circuit, wins some awards. Um, and then you got to keep me posted on on if it's coming to Jersey or or we're, we're VOD trying. or something. <laughs> we're trying to get a I'm couple really in Jersey, a uh, couple yeah. in Virginia. Um, I think it got into like a sci-fi festival in Roswell, New Mexico, because it's based on like UFOs and stuff like that. So, I forget. Uh, Do you guys have a website for that? I feel like I've seen Stephen post something for it. I want to say it's like ufoclubmovie.com. I don't know. I think it's something like that. Yeah. Yeah. If, if I find it, I'll try and link it in the show notes, but it's definitely, he's got a great trailer out for it's worth uh, taking a look. Um, all right. So last point of business before we get into our box office, I thought maybe we'd take a little look at, uh, 2022 so far. Um, so I thought I'd just kind of like run us down, like the top five movies for the year. So do you uh, you want to take a guess at them? Do you have a, any ideas what they might be? Sure. I'll, I'll say in no particular order. Um, I got to say Top Gun Maverick's got to be, if not the top, one of the top. Um, Doctor Strange, the Multiverse of Madness has got to be one. Uh, the Batman has got to be one. Um, I... I, I guess Jurassic Park, even though I haven't heard a lot of buzz about it. Uh, those are the four that I could think of. Beyond that, uh, I, I don't know. I don't know what the fourth would be, to be honest with you. All right, so I'll give you the top list. So you were pretty darn close. So number one, Top Gun Maverick with $534.5 million. Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness with $410 million. The Batman, $369.3 million. Jurassic World Dominion, 313.5 million, and Spider-Man No Way Home with 231.8 million. So that one's smaller number, but it's just, I'm thinking that's the money from 2022, not necessarily its whole run, which should be a lot higher. Yeah. Um, on the worldwide front, basically the same list. You just kind of double all those millions numbers um, with the exception that at the number five spot instead of spider-man they have a movie called watergate bridge which is actually about i guess the chinese army um fighting in the korean war against the americans i'm not totally sure i don't know my korean war history so well um but that one is at 626.6 million so that's that power of the chinese movie market to uh to really do its thing so pretty cool yeah pretty cool all right well let's take a look back at our box office 30 for july 1992 Welcome to July 1992. We have our top picks in, but there's some surprising titles in this month's list, which I think is due to being an interesting release schedule, but more on that in a minute. So our top film for July is A League of Their Own with a July gross of $67.8 million with a July 1st release date. Okay, important date. Mm-hmm. Also premiering July 1st in the number two spot is Boomerang with $52.8 million. And in the number three spot is the sequel Honey, I Blew Up the Kid with $32.9 million in earnings. Last month's featured film, Encino Man, finds itself all the way down at the number 19 slot with only $6 million in July. So we loved you, Encino Man, but we are sorry to see you fall down the stairs here this month. Fall down the stairs? Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> what? Wow, that was dark. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Um, so uh, thanks, as usual, to everyone who voted in our listener poll, Retro Network, for sharing it. Uh, it was not a close call this month with a very clear winner. However, second, third, and fourth place picks were all somewhat even within a few percents of each other, which I found interesting. So here's the results. Boomerang had 10.8% of the vote. Honey, I Blew Up the Kid, not Baby, had 11.7% of the vote. Universal Soldier, 16.2% of the vote. And not surprisingly, A League of Their Own with 61.3% of the vote, 111 total votes. So again, huge thank you to everybody who goes out there and votes month after month. Um, and probably not a surprising result this month. Like I said, I, I, I think it is cool that the bottom three in the poll were all above 10%. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like sometimes we get movies that are like 1%, whatever, nobody's voting for them. Um, so it's cool that those three were relatively close. It means that people were at least fairly likewise interested in seeing those three next to each other. But I, I really got to say, like, there was no chance anything was going to beat this movie. A League of Their Own is an iconic film. I, I I'm looking forward to talking about it because I love absolutely. All right. Well, with that said, let's uh, let's take a look at our list for the month. Um, So uh, as we said, number one, a league of their own. So we'll get back to that in a minute with our recall. But at number two, Boomerang, Eddie Murphy. Does this movie ring any bells for you? Yeah, he was kind of like a womanizer. And I think he meets some girl and I don't know. She tries to change him or he. I don't know. It's it's an okay like dark comedy uh, but it's not one of Eddie Murphy's strongest films. I know it has a big cult following, like some other movies, but it wasn't a, f- a big favorite of mine. Yeah, me either. I don't really remember this one, uh, unfortunately. Um, number six on the list, Honey, I Blew Up the Kid. Um, this is a movie uh, I definitely saw in a theater as a kid. Uh, I, I went for a cousin's birthday and saw this. Um, that said, not my favorite of this series. You no. know, um Honey, I Shrunk the Kids was kind of like a really kind of interesting, fun, game-changing movie at that period of time. Um, And I think the content of that one is just much more fun and memorable. You know, their adventures with Auntie traveling through the yard, you know, Rick on his like, you know, magnifying glass rig so he's not stepping on them versus like, Honey, I Blip the Kid. Basically, all I remember about it is the little one, the baby gets grown to enormous size he shows up in like Reno or Las Vegas or something like that. The kids, he's yeah. got like Oshkosh Bagash on. The kids were like riding in his front pocket, you mm-hmm. know, and like they got to like try and get him back. But like, that's all I can remember of that whole movie. So it just didn't really stick uh, with me. Other than, uh, you know, the, the dad's uh, solar powered car, which I thought was really <laughs> it's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, and I know like they went on to, to produce some, another, I think, sequel and then, maybe a Disney plus thing or something, but you know, I think nothing, same sort of thing is echoed back to yeah, the it, original. <laughs> no, it loses the charm after the original one as being such an original idea. Um, number seven on the list is universal soldier, which is a Jean-Claude Van Damme, uh, Dolph Lundgren movie, which, you know, again, didn't do a lot of money in the box office, but had a huge cult following sparked a bunch of sequels. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a fun movie. I, if you ask me which one was which, it's like an amalgam of all of them, I couldn't tell you. For sure. No, it's like the same thing with like the Steven Seagal movies that I've mentioned before. It's like they I've seen them all. They're all like so good they're bad, so bad they're good. Um, and it's just like they just blend. I, yeah, but uh, for sure, it, it did kick off quite a, a rest of series there. <laughs> All right, number nine is a movie called Mo Money um, with your buddy Damon Wayans. I love Damon Wayans. <laughs> I don't care what anybody says. He's fantastic. He's my favorite Wayan. Uh, <laughs> I look forward to Blank Man and uh, the Last Boy Scout. And, and my personal favorite, Major Payne. Yes, <laughs> I love that movie so much. But Mo yeah. Money. I don't know if I remember this one. I definitely remember Major Payne and, and Blank Man and some of the others. I definitely saw those uh, earlier on. I don't know. I kind of miss the Wayans brothers, you know, like I, I used to love their show when they had that, like when it was just like first transitioning to the WB, they had their show. Um, are they still doing anything? I don't, I'm, I think they're most of them are producers now. I know like Keenan Ivory Wayans is producing Damon Wayans and his son, Damon Wayans Jr. are doing a lot of stand up. Damon Wayans Jr. was on a, a new girl for a while. Uh, and you know, they're like almost identical in their personalities. <laughs> But uh, yeah, they haven't done anything in a while. And I mean, 
I remember when In Living Color was out. Oh, man, I loved that show so much. Remember the, the halftime show that used to be for <laughs> Living Color? I would turn off the Super Bowl halftime show to go in Living Color instead, which is nice. <laughs> well, next one on the list here is a movie at number 12 called Prelude to a Kiss. And I don't really remember this one, except to say that when I'm looking at the poster, like I'm pretty sure my mom had this on VHS. Uh, this is a Meg Ryan, Alec Baldwin movie. Past that, I don't really remember it, but like just something about that cover really sticks out in my head. Yeah, it's a really awkward pose where <laughs> Alec Baldwin is sort of like pecking her eye and it just looks uncomfortable. <laughs> I don't know why. I don't like it. I don't, This is the, one of the only ones on the list I don't recognize, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, so starting number 14, this is where the list kind of gets exciting for me. So I mentioned a little previous here that – um, there's some kind of like interesting recognizable titles kind of going on in the second half of our list here. And I think this is kind of partly due to um, July being a really unique month. So probably a good spot to mention it. So I already said that our two top films this month came out on July 1st. So if you look back in your calendar all the way back to July 1992, kind of an interesting thing happens here. Most people, I think, know that new movies typically release on Fridays. Um, maybe to a lesser known extent, uh, although probably these days more people realize this, some movies used to and still do do what's called an extended release where they come out a couple days early, typically on a Wednesday. So what's really kind of cool about July 1992, first of all, it's a month that has five Fridays, so you get five sets of movie releases potential there. But that July 1st date is on a Wednesday. So those first couple of movies, League of Their Own and Boomerang, are able to come out on that extended release Wednesday on July 1st and run all the way through the end of the month to July 31st, which is a Friday, which is kind of cool. It's like a perfect month as far as like movie release calendar could possibly go. Like you have a very true end-to-end idea of like if a movie comes out on the first and you know they've got a, a full month to run you can really see what the true yeah gross for, sure. for one of those movies is because you know you, you know the way we typically use the metric on here is sort of wherever they land now given there's a couple movies as we start getting down this list here they're going to be victims of this they end up on the july 31st date yeah and therefore are way down the bottom of the list where they could have normally been much higher so interesting to point out but number 14 kicks off some of these movies for me with Cool World. Were you a Cool World guy? <laughs> so I definitely did not see this in the theater. I actually saw this at my uncle's apartment when he was like <laughs> babysitting my sister and I one weekend. And we were about 30 minutes into the movie. And he was like, oh, I got to turn this off. Your mom's going to kill me. <laughs> and I never saw the rest of it. I never nice. saw the rest see, of it. See, my, my movie like that is Ace Ventura. Um, my I was being babysat by my grandma for a while during the summer. And my mom... I can't remember if it's the first time I saw Ace Ventura or if I just like we bought it on VHS and if I'd seen it in the theater, because obviously, again, it was a little bit further down the road than this when that's coming out. But we put it on and like, you know, there's a few scenes in Ace Ventura, which are not granny material. <laughs> it's like it hit those points and my grandma walked in the room and she's like, what is this? You know, so <laughs> poor my mom got a, a yelling at and therefore I got a yelling at, I think, on that one. So. We, needless to say, did not watch Ace Ventura again with my grandma. But uh, Cool World, um, it's no Who Framed Roger Rabbit, but um, kind of an interesting movie of its time. Brad Pitt, um, you know, does some interesting things with combining live action and, and animation. I think it's one of these love it or hate it movies. People either remember it fondly or just like can't stand it. So um, I thought it was interesting to see it pop up here in this spot in our list. Yeah, I, I will say it does have a unique thing. It's it's definitely no Who Framed Roger Rabbit, but, <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's an interesting movie. The next one down the list, number 17, is A Stranger Among Us, which I vaguely remember my mom and dad watching this. It's about like a New York City cop who has to infiltrate like the Orthodox Jewish community to investigate like a missing person like that. I don't know. It, it, yeah, the, it was funny. I recognized the the poster for this, but now that you're sort of talking about it, I kind of have like a vague recollection of that. Um, Melanie Griffith is in this movie, but yeah, I, like you say, it's probably one where my parents had it. <laughs> I just had no reason to ever um, watch this at that point. All right, number 20 is a movie called Man Trouble. Um, this has got Jack Nicholson and Ellen Barkin, and there's a name that you haven't 
thought of in a good 30 years. Well, she was in one of the Ocean's 13 or 11 movies. Fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough. Uh, what's funny for me with this one is um, Jack Nicholson's got this like weird little mustache it's, going. It's a terrifying mustache. He reminds of, me of what's his face mouth. from NYPD Blue. Oh, like Dennis Farina? Or yes, Dennis yes, yeah, yeah. I don't know why. It's like he looks exactly like him on the, on the front of this. That's pretty funny. All right, uh, number 24 here, well worth mentioning, and, and the first of one of these ones where you're shocked to see it all the way down at number 24, but it's the victim of its release date being the very last day of July in, in 1992. Death Becomes Her. Michael, you got Death Becomes Her? <laughs> yeah, so this is a uh, Meryl Streep, uh, Goldie Hawn, Bruce Willis movie directed by Robert Zemeckis, by, uh, yes. uh, who would have thought? And it's basically about these two aging like movie stars who i don't know they somehow get some sort of elixir that helps them get young again but also now they they can't die and that's right i was trying to remember i was like you know this is a movie that like i saw this probably multiple times and i don't know why multiple times because i'm not sure it's a movie that deserves multiple watchings but i feel like i've seen it several times on like sunday afternoon movie on the wb or whatever um and like i just remember at the time it was like i I probably liked the like horror slash comedy like kind of dark comedy um makeup of this film in so much as that like they're like getting into fights with each other and shoving each other downstairs or like you know all sorts of things and they like end up all like weird injuries and like just kind of looking from like a filmmaking perspective kind of neat like how they did some of that i think bruce willis plays like both of their ex-husbands at one point but he's also like a makeup artist with that so he's constantly just like patching them up and stuff like that it's so bizarre yeah it's a really random movie um yeah. Next one down the list. Do you remember this movie, number 27? I, I do, yes. Um, I, I would love to know like what the deal was with this movie, if it was based on a book or something. Because it feels like, you know, like we had a bunch of movies when we were younger, like Bingo and things like that, where they became movies. And I'm so curious if this is something like that. Um, Mom and Dad Save the World. Um, this is Terry Garr, Jeffrey Jones, John Lovitz, a couple others. Just a weird movie. It's a weird you know, movie. Definitely like I'm, I'm remiss to even call it a B movie, kind of a C level movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I'm, I'm like, I'd be so curious if this was like based off of something like a book or something like that at the time. Cause it's, it really feels like it should have been, um, but not a big earner. This only goes no. on to earn $2 million ever. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a, I, I think I saw this movie and though as a kid thought it was horrible. Um, I don't know. It doesn't. I'm I'm googling quickly, and I don't see anything. Yeah, it might uh, just be like onto its own. But it is weird that it sticks out in our collective memory. Yeah, I think this All is right. the title number thirty. Um, iconic film finding itself way down the list here in Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yeah, this is one of those movies that like. I love this movie. I didn't like it as much as a kid. I think it was kind of scary. Uh, I think, you know, seeing Pee Wee Herman as kind of a vampire was a little frightening at the time. But it's a Christy Swanson, Donald Sutherland, Paul Rubens, Rutger Hauer, Luke Perry, (laughs) Hilary Swank. It's got a huge cast. The movie itself didn't do so well, but it sparked a juggernaut of a a WB show in Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And yeah, I mean, I know you're. I know you're kind of like a, and maybe you'd correct me, like maybe more of an Angel than Buffy directly fan. I do like Angel. I didn't like <laughs> the last season, but I do like the most of the series. But like between the two of us, like you know, I have a couple of friends that are are big Buffy people. Our friend Tom's a big Buffy person, and I have to say, like. You know, this is one of these movies and there's a lot of films out there where they come out with a film or a sequel or a couple sequels and then they try and do like a TV spinoff show and the TV show doesn't go anywhere. Uh, But then there's a few that like really became like extremely iconic. I'd mentioned this one. The other one I'd cite is one of my favorites uh, comes down the road for us in a couple of years is um, Stargate, which spins out into like Stargate SG-1 and just several other huge series on sci-fi for years and years and years after Um, but it's such an interesting thing because, um, you know, I know his name's a bit of a dirty name right now. Um, but like Joss Whedon, you know, like this kicks off his career, you know, like, and, um, he goes on to do so many other big things, including Firefly and things like that. Um, that, that I think all branch out of 
Buffy and what Buffy is and meant. Yeah. Um, and does. Um, so it's, you know, it's a shame to see where Joss has ultimately ended up, you know, given kind of some of the, the kind of really cool, like female empowerment that he's doing in this role. Um, I remember really enjoying this movie. I remember this movie being a little bit more campy than the series yeah. was like the, the series kind of became, you know, it just sort of established the freak of the week thing and it became kind of more serious and kind yeah. of teen angst drama, you know, this movie was very like, Almost like um, a satire. She, she starts off as like a cheerleader and it's like, it's very silly and everything. Um, and again, maybe not the best movie ever, but totally enjoyable um, in its time and, and just remarkable for what it spawns after that. So um, pretty cool to see it showing up, even though it's all the way down at number 30 in our list here, making a million dollars for that one day in July and 16.6 million total, kind of surprisingly. <laughs> and look at that. At almost 30 minutes on the nose, we're exactly where we left <laughs> off. <laughs> that was like the condensed soup version of, yeah, of the podcast here. <laughs> so number 31 is a movie called Bebe's Kids. And I don't know if you remember Bebe's Kids. I remember Bebe's Kids. I feel um, like I recognize, oh, now that I'm looking at it, I remember a theme song to Bebe's Kids vaguely. Yes. Um, my, I don't my know cousin if I loved this movie. Yeah, I don't know that I watched this necessarily. Was this on a particular channel? I don't know. I think it came in theaters and then it was right onto some sort of, sh- I think it maybe became a show afterwards. I don't remember. I'm trying to remember if this was like a Nickelodeon show. No, or something. this was like- not. Cause this, I think this is like rated PG 13 or even yeah, it's 13. Yeah. But it's a short 70 minute movie. Maybe it was like a, a this, TV but show. this came from something. It, it like, I could swear it like spawned out of something. Yeah. I don't I know. I could be wrong. But yeah, I just I, I don't know. I, I think I missed this. And it was probably because like, you know, even as I'm looking at this, they're calling it an adult animated comedy. Yeah. So it probably just didn't really cross. Which, like it's it almost looks like the early imagining of what South Park becomes yeah. kind of thing in that kind of I art. have like a real vague recollection of seeing like a trailer for this. And because it looks like something you would see as a kid, you almost get that impression I don't know. I don't know where I would have seen it or whatever. I don't think I ultimately later caught it. Nah, Interestingly I, enough, it, there's a note in one of the things I'm looking at that says the film was later adapted into a poorly received video game for the Super NES. Really? <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> so now we get down to our, our bottoms of the list. Yeah, we're almost th- to the Miramax. We got yeah. one more before the Miramax for the month. <laughs> so number 33 is a movie called The Best Intentions, uh, which is a Samuel Golden Com- Goldwyn Company movie. Uh, it makes all of $23,000 in the month of July and it released on July 10th. But it looks to me like what Downton Abbey becomes like in like the early (laughs) 1900s kind of thing. I don't know. I can see that. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. No, no clue. The well and true Miramax for our list this month is number 34 called Enchanted April. Oh I don't recognize this at all. No. It's got a really creepy looking poster where the girl's face is like very whitewashed out. She's got like yeah. very dark um, kind of makeup around her eyes. It does have decent people in it, including Alfred Molina, Miranda Richardson, Joan Plowright, and a few others, but... This is, as is named the Miramax of the month, it only does 18K in 324 theaters, so we got nothing for you. The very bottom rung of our list this month, number 35, is a film called The Panama Deception. This is (laughs) a film about the true reasons for the 1989 U.S. invasion of Panama and big media complicity in these activities. Sounds like fun, you know, <laughs> like a documentary, I think yeah, it, sometimes it, we get these movies at the bottom of the list that are like fun to talk about because they got some bizarre plot and nobody went to see it. And sometimes it's just some crummy documentary nobody saw. Yeah, but it won an Oscar, it says. So. Yes. Oh, no. All right. All well, right. Interestingly enough, speaking about movies that maybe pop out of documentaries, let's take a look back in our recall segment for 1992.
All right. Uh, League of Our Own is directed by the amazing Penny Marshall. There's a lot that can be said about Penny, who passed a few years back in 2018. We are not unofficially killing somebody we shouldn't be here. This I didn't want to. I wasn't sure. <laughs> I, I didn't want to say anything. I thought yeah, so, but we I unfortunately lost Penny. Um, but I think one thing worth pointing out was her shattering the glass ceiling in the film industry, being the first female director to break $100 million at the box office with Big, and then again just a couple of years later with A League of Their Own. Um, other films she's most well-known for directing are Awakenings, The Preacher's Wife, Riding in Cars with Boys, Jumpin' Jack Flash, and Renaissance Man. Also has a prolific acting career, a writing career. Um, you could really go down the the Awakening, Awakenings is a great movie. You ever see the movie? Yes, oh, yes, man, yeah. fantastic. Um, so now I mentioned a documentary leading to a film. So this is kind of where I, I dug up a little info on this. So the film is written by Kim Wilson and Kelly Candele. I'm afraid I just don't know how to say her name quite correctly. Who are credited with the story. Uh, and another familiar name on this podcast, Lowell Gans, who you'll remember from our City Slickers episode as the screenwriter. Now, um, when I started trying to figure out Kim and Kelly and what their story writing involvement was, I was like, did they write a book? Did they whatever? They filmed a documentary about the real life women who um, actually formed this baseball teams at this point. So um, when they approached creating this film, I know I'm getting to my fun facts early this month. Um, when they approached um, to create this film, they asked the two of them if they would come in and help write the story with Lowell to to That's generate. Because basically, they were in it with the documentary, right. and they knew these women the best of all at that point. Pro- so, I would assume so. Yeah. Yeah. Otherwise, they have very small IMDb credit pages, so I was not finding a lot more about them. Unfortunately, the film stars the absolutely ineffable tom hanks <laughs> my guy um gina davis <laughs> madonna Lori petty rosie o'donnell and many many more to fill out the rest of the team um as mentioned it does just under 68 million dollars in july with the full month release goes on to make 107.5 million domestic another 24.9 million in other territories for a worldwide gross of 132.4 million on a $40 million budget. All right. Let's see if we can't recall a league of their own. So what do you got for me? Do you, do you remember this movie fairly well? Yes, I would say quite well. And unfortunately okay. you're doing the notes this month. So, <laughs> um, so maybe I'll put Ange on it. She loves this movie. I'll let her do the notes. <laughs> I, it's cheating. I, I love this movie too, but yeah. <laughs> um, I think it's World War Two. All yes. um, you know, most of Major League Baseball goes off to fight in World War Two, and America needs baseball, and they decide to form a, a women's baseball league for a year or so, or a couple of years and whatnot. And um, you know, it, it basically follows. I think John Lovitz is the scout that's going around looking for players and whatnot. Um, and you know recruits gina davis and she won't come without her sister coming to the league um they have a bunch of teams i forget all the names i know they were on the rockford peaches and uh you know tom hanks is like a down and out former baseball player who's an alcoholic and and they kind of give him a second chance to be the coach and he's this gruff and you know curmudgeon-y kind of guy um and it tells the story of these women. That's kind of what I got. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't think I can build too much on what you said, except to say uh, Madonna's character also, I remember she... Um, All the way, May? Yeah, she's like, you know, like her husband's off, I think, at the war, and she's like kind of like unimpressed and like doesn't really want to join them. Um, you know, uh, the big line, which we've already, you know, like it, there's no crying in baseball, you know, like AFI all-time... <laughs> Top quote sort of thing. Um, I have a funny recollection to that. Um, to my wedding day, my brother, who is like Mr. Baseball, um, was up with you uh, among my uh, groomsmen. And um, when my wife started coming down the aisle, I started getting teary eyed. He leans over and says, there's no crying in baseball. <laughs> I'm like, only, I'm like, only you would bring that up. I was like, that's relevant to you. Not necessarily to me. I should have said that at your wedding, not the other way around. Um, but uh, just a great movie. So funny, full of so many good lines. 
probably, and I hate to, to be mean and say this, but probably the only likable movie I have in mind with Rosie O'Donnell in it. Um, you know, I've never been a huge Rosie fan, um, but she's very, very good in this. I love her in the role she plays in this. Um, and uh, I'm trying to think how the movie ends. You know, obviously there's a lot of like, so they got to get together and learn to play together and all this sort of thing. I'm just trying to th- remember so how it basically uh, Lori Petty gets traded to another team and they face uh, the Peaches in the World Series and uh, Gina Davis, who plays the catcher, you know, gets Lori Petty's running down a, 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 in park home run and takes out Gina Davis. She drops the ball and the other team, uh, I forget what team she's on. They were a yellow uniform or a mustard colored uniform, uh, wins the first world series. That's how it ends. And then they, they jump way ahead in time to essentially present day when the baseball hall of fame opens up a wing in uh, Cooperstown for the women's baseball league. And which, I think the movie starts with that. It starts with like a flash forward of, of her older, yeah, like visiting that. I think. So fun fact, though, if you've ever been to Cooperstown, what they showcase in the movie versus what you actually see in Cooperstown for their part of the museum, it's not the same. Like it's a very, <laughs> very small, almost disrespectful section. Oh. When I, I mean, I haven't been there and probably. 20 years or so but when i was there my mom wanted to go see it and she was like this is it this is not what they showed in the movie yeah like, like surprised but not surprised sadly to say <laughs> you know what i mean with these sort of things um i don't know maybe they'll they'll expand on that at some point but that that is a shame i mean it, it's it's such an interesting period of time it's such an interesting especially like juxtaposed with now like where we're still in a time period like you know i had a lot of this um we had candace parker stop by njit and do um some work she was uh filming a commercial but she met with our our basketball team um and it just kind of recollected to my head when we were thinking about that like i was just like oh like there between her visiting there and then um with the initial things with russia you know there was a um female nba player um wnba player that uh, got stuck in russia and I don't know if she's still there. You know what still I mean? There, like, yeah. you know, they kind of made like a, a giant thing in the news. Like, why isn't this kind of more of a big deal? And it's like, unfortunately it's still kind of a second class citizen sort of thing with women in a lot of these kind of major level sports. So, yeah, you know, I, at some point I really hope that that can get somewhere different. You know what I mean? Because it, it is such like a, a cool story uh, that I think this really exemplifies, but we'll save some more of that for, official review in a couple of weeks here um in the meantime we have a preview review all right i'll count us down three two one Rated PG. <laughs> like to lead you all in prayer. Dear Lord, may our feet be swift. Oh. May our bats be mighty. May our <laughs> be plentiful. Our balls be plentiful. Thank you. You know what's really sad about this trailer, though. It starts off focusing on Tom Hanks, and the movie's not about him. It's all about. Yeah. I mean, wow. even his like you know the most famous line from this movie was like, "There's no crying in baseball." Yeah. The guy saying it. Yeah. It seems like the. Wow, this trailer is weird. It's not really. I'll tell you what, though, this is them. this is through and through a Penny Marshall trailer. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> what a strange thing. <laughs> I, I'm very surprised. The only dialogue we're hearing in the movie trailer is Tom Hanks. We haven't heard anybody else speak. Wow. Oh, 
You guys got my camera. I have that Graflex. Columbia Pictures would like to take you out to the ball game. <laughs> this is so bizarre. Yeah. Star comedy. They'll pay you $75 a week. We only make 30 at the dairy. Well then, this would be more, wouldn't it? <laughs> what I say, John Lovitz. Tom Hanks. But, Are you crying? Look. There's no crying. There's no crying. He's top billing. The catcher. Oh, for sure. Davis. What do you say we slip in the back seat? You make a man out of me. What if I smack you around for a while? Can't we do both? The picture. Nice. Lori Petty. This is the only Lori Petty movie I like, to be honest with you. I did not like Tank Girl. <laughs> oh, I like Tank Girl. I got it's a bizarre movie, but I've got something for that movie. And batting cleanup, Madonna. What if my uniform bursts open and oops, my bosoms come flying out? You think there are men in this country who ain't seen your bosoms? A league nice. of their own. <laughs> God knows we have a game. It's not like any of this helps, believe me. Now he doesn't find a cross tip. <laughs> Directed by Penny Marshall. What a bizarre trailer. What a bizarre trailer. Like it really That's a, that's like a through that. and through Penny Marshall trailer. It's got such her signature on that as the funny part. That's, that's so pretty interesting. Cool. Huh. I don't know. I'm looking forward to, to rewatching it again. I am too. All right, well, I've got another in-development segment, and I think this one I'm going to actually throw some official music on, so here we go. So, uh, okay, maybe not surprisingly, we have another in development this month. And surprise, surprise, A League of Their Own is getting a reboot on Amazon Prime Video. So I've got a little um, quote here from Vanity Fair. All eight episodes are going to be available to stream on Prime Video on Friday, August 12th. So this is coming up pretty fast. Good timing. This is co-created and executive produced by Will Graham and Abby Jacobson, who also stars... The show's first trailer is set to Stevie Nicks' Edge of 17. Although dialogue-free, the footage showcases plenty of on-the-field action featuring cast members Darcy Carden, which I'm already completely in the show for Darcy Carden. She's maybe my favorite comedic actress of the past few years. Uh, Charté Adams, Melanie Field, Kate Berlant, and Nick Offerman. Amazing. Oh, boy. <laughs> so I have the trailer. Would you like to check it out, Michael? Yeah, let's look at that trailer. I'm going to pop that sucker up right now. Hold yeah, on. get it ready. I'll cue it up and count us down. Oh, okay. I am ready. All right. Three, two, one. Good music. Oh, wow. It still kind of feels like the original a little bit. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. I'm on board. Looks a little more Sandlot, too. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, wow. It does have a good cast. Oh, wow. I'll give it a shot. (laughs) For eight episodes, I'll watch it for sure. Yeah, I mean, I don't know Abby Jacobson so well, although I know a ton of people who say she's hilarious. But like I said, like Darcy Carden, like off the good place and several other things. I used to see her. I don't know if you remember. I used to go to like Upright Citizens Brigade like Mm -hmm. in New York. She used to pop in there. She's just hilarious. I love her to death. So like I'm like already in it for her. Um, So we'll see. (laughs) We'll see how it goes. Um, all right, so let's uh, let's wrap this show up. Um, would you like to do our big movie quiz? Sure, lay it on me. Whatever you, dealer's choice. You. Uh, well, I'm going to slap you with Oscar winners then, oh. because we got to get through these cards. <laughs> let's 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 torture Michael as if I haven't tortured him enough with screwing up the recording of this podcast here today. Let's let's hit him with the uh, big movie quiz Oscars. So for those who have not heard before, we usually do six questions from the big movie quiz. See how many Michael can get right out of that batch. All right. Which actress tripped up the stairs while going to receive her award for best actress in 2013? Oh, I remember this. Wasn't it? Um, 
Was it Jennifer Lawrence? It was Jennifer Lawrence. Look at this guy coming out the gate strong. All right. With which film did Martin Scorsese first win the Academy Award for Best Director? The Departed. That's correct. Very good. Two for two. For which film did Al Pacino win his first Academy Award? Oh, um, it's either One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest or Easy Rider. Ooh, uh. Oh, wait, no. Did you say Jack Nicholson or Al Pacino? Al Pacino. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you said Jack Nicholson. I'm sorry. Then uh, Send of a Woman. There you go. Ben Kingsley won the 1983 Academy Award for Gandhi. Best Actor. Wow, look at this guy. Didn't even get the question out. That's I'm going to give you that third one. So that's four for four, okay? With what film did Lupita Nyong'o win the Academy Award for Best Supporting Actress in 2014? 12 Years a Slave. Wow, look at this guy. All right, let's see if we can get six for six. Because okay. I don't remember if you've ever gotten six for six, but no. we're coming up on it. In what year did Chariots of Fire win the Academy Award for Best Picture? And this is a relevant year for you and I. 89. 82. Oh, 82? I thought it was 89. <laughs> all right, well, five out of six. Not too shabby. All right, so that's going to do it for us for this month. Thank you all so much for joining and listening. A big apologies from me to Mike, although this is a record re-record. We <laughs> we've re-recorded the entire episode in less time than it took us to, to do the initial one where we accidentally didn't record, so that's impressive. Um, if you'd like to chat with us about the show, please get in touch with us via our social media channels, Box Office 3-0 on Facebook and Twitter, and Box Office T-H-I-R-T-Y on Instagram. We have our website, boxoffice30.com, that someday I'm going to (laughs) update. Good intentions over there. Um, In the meantime, we want to thank Jason and Mickey and the Retro Network, as usual, for hosting our show. Please go check out the content over there, not only on the podcast channels, but there's a lot of really cool written stuff. Um, Lots of stuff popping up for the summer right now that's really worth checking out. If you have some free shekels you'd like to spare, go over and take a look at our Tee Public store. You can find the link on our website, boxoffice30.com. See if you buy a t-shirt, a hat, it's sunny outside. Go get yourself something nice for summer. And that's going to do it for us. We will see you again in two weeks with our recall. This has been Pete and Mike for Box Office 30, July 1992. Thanks for listening, friends. We'll see you next time. Bye, everybody. of the Retro Network.